God bless our pastor. Amen. Amen. And I, and I feel honored. Amen. Because he gives me the opportunity to, to serve. And um, I don't think we'll ever do the same caliber of job that he does. But, you know, this is like a training as well in serving the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles in Jesus' name to Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, for the honor and the glory of the Lord. God has been so good to us, amen? He has been so good to us. And, you know, every single day is a blessing in the presence of the Lord, amen? We're going to read uh, some verses, verse 18 and on, in Jesus' name. Um, so we're actually going to read from verse 17 and on. Praise God. The Bible is going to, I believe, speak to us the word of God, amen, living and powerful. The Bible says, and when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. That the knowest the commandments, do you know these commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, you need something. Go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And come, take up the, cro take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Amen. We actually read to verse 22. So now let us go ahead and pray one more time. Amen, that God may speak to our lives. Lord, we come before you one more time, Lord Jesus. We thank you once more for this opportunity to be here in the house of the Lord. And we ask in Jesus' name that you will remove any kind of distraction, Lord, affliction, problem that may be trying to hinder, Lord, the flowing of the word of God and the anointing from your Holy Ghost in this place. We acknowledge you, Lord and Savior, as being the one that speaks a living word to us. A rima word, a living word, an appropriate Lord, word, Lord, a, a word that is precise Lord, unto our lives. And we thank you, God, for this. And we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you will glorify yourself and receive all honor and all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. So we'll ask Brother Noe in about 25 minutes, amen. Praise God. And we're going to do our best to, to minister as best as we can. Um. Some, I believe it was last week I mentioned to some of you that I had gone about when we were at uh, Santa Monica one day at the pier and I asked 10 people just a, a question. I randomly went up to 10 different kinds of people and, or 10 people and I asked them, look, at, I want to ask you a question and this is for a church. And they said, sure, what is it? And I said, what do you love? Amen. And they had all kinds of different answers, pizza, ice cream. Uh, music, all kinds of different things. It wasn't until we got to the 10th person, uh, an African-American woman, I asked her and she said, I love the Lord. And I was very, uh, 
very glad to have finally heard one person say that they love the Lord. Amen? And the reason I had asked that question was to get people to think a little bit. And so the question was, what do you love? But then come other questions, right? And that, that's what they love, but what do they really, uh, the ice cream and the peaks and all these things, what do they really need? And we have to take a look at our lives just like this young man, we're going to take a look at his life and see the circumstance that he finds himself in when he has a conversation with the Lord. Um, if you ask people, the question is, of what is it that would make you happy? Most people would probably say a million dollars. Money. A beautiful big house right by the beach. I would love to travel to Paris or France or another country uh, far away, what would make you happy would be the question. And people would have all different kinds of answers. What would, you know, somebody that's maybe just got broken up with their, in their relationship, what would fill that void? A new boyfriend, a new girlfriend. And they lost a job. I would like a better job that would make me happy. And one of the things that we've all realized that are walking in the Lord, at least we should realize, and we will get to if you haven't yet, is that nothing will make you happy except the Lord. It is not until you actually get to have an encounter with Christ that you will actually be able to understand and experience it for yourselves and be able to understand the fact that truly everything else is temporal and only the Lord and the relationship you can have with Him can be eternal. So we find this young man, and very interesting about this young man is that, one, he is young, but he is rich. He is wealthy. Not too many people are wealthy. Not too many people are rich. We're learning more and more about these kind of things. As a matter of fact, most people have a need. And if you ask them, what is your need? Uh, most people will tell you that uh, they need a newer car. If their car is breaking down, they need a better high-paying job. Whatever it is, they tell you that they feel that they need. This young man is in a little bit of a different situation than most of the general population. He is a young man that is very rich. And if you don't know this, most of the people are not rich. And so he stands out within the general population. And what he does is he finds the Lord... And approaches the Lord. And the first things that he says unto the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him good master. Good master. He bows down or we can say he humbles himself. As the Bible says that he kneeled to him, to Jesus. And asked him, good master. First of all, there's an acknowledgement. You are good. And you are the master. And he asks him a very interesting question. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? See, this young man was a man that believed in eternal life. So we know that he was not of the Sadducees or that, that group of Jewish people that denied uh, perhaps angels and eternal life and, and uh, those things that we believe in. This young man was a little bit closer to the beliefs of Jesus. And that's why he asked him, what, what can I do to inherit, to uh, receive that eternal life because he knew that sooner or later he was going to die. We can imagine that. 
Because otherwise, he would have never asked that question. Had he not realized that he had a need of Jesus, he would have never gone to Jesus and asked him this question. The first thing that impacts me is what the Lord Jesus says to him. First of all, the Lord doesn't even receive that kind of honor and all the glory. He says, why do you call me good? There is no one that is good except God. The only one that is good is God. And we can see the attitude, the The humbleness in Jesus Christ that even though he is God in this human form, he doesn't take it to be he and God all, all the same except that he humbles himself. And the Bible tells us this, that he, he humbled himself taking on this human form and he was obedient and obedient unto death and a death at a cross. Amen. He humbled himself. He did away with who Jesus was in the eyes of others. And he makes himself humble and acknowledges the only one that is good is God. That teaches us a lot. In those very few words that Jesus says, there is a very deep teaching. And to be honest with you, maybe you've read this and maybe, I, and I've read it before, but You know, we, we get to receive an essence of what God is saying and we see Jesus give us that example. What must I do to inherit life, good master? Hold on, first thing we got to clear up is that the only one that is good is God. He's showing that, that humility, that humbleness. Number two, he starts to give him this, the, 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 these words and he, he says to him, you got to keep these commandments. Because he asked him, how do I inherit eternal life? How can I receive it? He's, he's wanting a list. He wants a pinpoint uh, in a place and in a time and in the things that he has to do. He wants to know, what must I do? Give me that one thing that I've got to do. And Jesus begins to teach him and tells him this. Thou knowest, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. I know that one. I'm sure he thought, why? Because since he was a little boy, without any doubt in my mind and in my heart, I can believe that they taught him the word of God. He was taught the word of the Lord, and that's how his mother or his father would have had to verbally, orally repeat it unto him, the word of God. So he knew that he was not to commit adultery. So morally, he was correct. Do not kill or do not commit homicide and He was also correct in that. He knows this. I do know that we are not to kill another human being. Do not steal. I know it as well. I don't take what doesn't belong to me. Do not bear false witness. I know that too. And I, and I, and I you, can, you can imagine all these things. Man, I got that one. I got that one down. I got, oh, I'm good in this one. So far, so good. It looks like I'm going to be I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be just make a clean shot at this and I'm going to be good. Yeah. Do not bear false witness. I don't, I won't do it. I'm, I, I'm good in that. Defraud. No, no. I keep my word. I keep my promises. I don't steal from anybody. I, I tell them and I'm faithful to what I say. Honor thy father and mother. He's probably thinking I've got it made. I've been respectful to my mom and my dad. I haven't done anything to bring shame to them. So he's got this itemized list in his mind now that he's hearing Jesus speak to him. And when he gets to this point, sometimes like many of us, we may take a step and think to ourselves that we're good. I give tithes. I give offerings. I go to a Bible friendship group. I come to the meetings. I go to 
the special services. I go above and beyond in, in, in doing this and do anything pastor asks me to do, I do. So I must be good with the Lord. And sometimes we can fall into a trap thinking that everything is fine because we become complacent. And this young man feels in his mind and in his heart, I've got it made. But the Lord has a wake-up call for each and every one of us, just like he did for this young man. So you do all these things. Yes, yes, I keep all these things. And he answered Jesus, and he said unto him, or on this young man, he said, answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observe from my youth. All my time I've been apostolic. All my time since I got saved, I've been faithful. I've been able to do this. I've been able to do I've got it all down. I've got my checklist all satisfied. I think I'm good to go. But then Jesus tells him this. Jesus beholding him, he also loved him. You see the love of God, the love that Christ has for him. He's taking the time to listen to him. And he gives him an orientation. These things are very important for you to have in your life. I've got that, Jesus. But Jesus loves him. You know, love suffers. Suffers. Long-suffering. Love is patient. And I'm sure that Jesus sees in this young man. You feel like everything's ready. Like you're done. As if you're ready to proceed forward. But you don't know what you're really lacking. This young man was a rich man. Which means, maybe as pastor was sharing with us. If he was here today by our standards, thinking back then, what kind of pair of shoes would he most likely wear? What kind of suits would he have in his closet? What kind of a wristwatch would he be using? What brand would it be? What other, uh, where would his house be? How many bedrooms? How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? How many living rooms? How many stories? What part of Beverly Hills or, or Malibu or, or country would it be in? He would have the best marble from Italy and from other countries, the best of materials. Everything would be absolutely the best. Everything would be just like the finest materials. And he would be dressed very well and have the best doctors and the best of everything at his disposal. He would think, I've got it all. And rightfully so, we would say that, yes, any one of us or anybody out there in the world that, as well that has money, that has uh, uh, quite a bit of money, can feel that they are secured. Many people invested, invested into different kinds of programs or savings accounts and, and had so many things that they had lined up. And they had properties and they were making good money. And all of a sudden, 2008 hit. And the entire world was tossed into some sort of financial chaos. And the U.S. of America was at danger of collapsing and affecting the entire world economy. People lost thousands and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. And companies lost millions of dollars. Everything looked like they was fine, but it was unsecured. People got to find out the hard way that nothing is forever. The good jobs had all of a sudden had to close down. And people's big houses and their beautiful cars were lost. 
So they found out the hard way that nothing was secured. Nothing was eternal. So this young man, again, he has everything, but he acknowledges that I've got to do something. There's something that I have in my life that I need to, to, to receive. And he was very religious. He knew the word from beginning to the end. He knew what it meant. He knew how to apply it to his life. He looked like he was a perfectly righteous young man. Probably the envy of many others. Man, I wish my son was like this young man. I wish my daughter would marry a young man like this one. I wish my life was just like him. I wish I could do all the things that he does. He was uh, probably the envy of many people. He's got it all. I know I keep saying that, but I want you to try and make a connection where, where we think that everything is fine, where everything is, is, is precise. And then we get to find out something, even those of us that have been walking with Christ and we think that maybe everything's fine, as well as those that are barely getting to know the Lord, where you thought everything was fine and the Lord is telling you through his word, no, this is not acceptable. And you get to find out reality. And this is one thing. Jesus loved him and, and the Lord calls us because he loves us. He is long-suffering and he's teaching us. He's trying to shape us and mold us. And Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. You're missing something. You have a flaw. You have a void. You, have, you are not infallible. You have something you need to work on. So do this. Go. Go thy way. Go. Yes. Sell everything you have. That's a whole lot of things. Sell it. Sell it all. Let it go. Sell it all. Your best home. Everything. Let go of it. Let go of it. And as he has to do this, give to the poor. Everything that you have, all the money you accumulated, give it to the poor. To those that don't have anything, you're going to end up with nothing. And when you do this, when you let go of these things that are very precious to you, you let it go. Yes, you've done, kept the law, you've kept the law, you've followed my commandments, but I want you to let all of this go, sell it, and give it away. There is something in your life and in my life that may have, without us knowing, taken the place that belongs to the one and only supreme God. And we may think that everything is okay because we come to church on Sunday and we're going to come to Easter Sunday and we're going to go to a friendship group and we're going to give a lesson and we're going to participate and all those things are good. By no means is it not right. It's right. It's correct. But we need to understand that all those things that we have done are never going to give us eternal life. Because by grace we are saved. And this is not of us, but it is a gift of God. And not by works so that no one will glory themselves. And what the, what the word of God is teaching us is you are saved not, not by your actions, but by grace. Now, actions are important, and I'm not going to get, you know, to, to, or to talk too much about that, but it is important for us to demonstrate 
and to, to work. Just like John the Baptist said that all of those that were baptized in repentance were to bring forth fruit that was worthy and that they were fruit of repentance. Show it. Don't just say it, but you got to show it. You got to demonstrate it with your actions and your works and your lifestyle and your conduct and everything about you has to do 180 degree turn and you got to show it. You got to demonstrate it. And so now you're missing something. You're doing all these things, but you still haven't captured the essence of honor thy father and thy mother, uh, of not stealing, of not committing. A, you're missing the essence of why this is before you, why you need to do this. And all of it comes down to is loving the Lord. And when this young man was confronted with the reality, I'm sure his heart was broken because the Bible tells you that he became saddened when Jesus told him, go ahead and sell it all. Because a lot of people's identity is based on what they have instead of the identity that Jesus Christ has given them. You and I are children of God. You and I are blessed children of God. And this young man felt he's a rich man and all these things he's got to let go. He's going to not be that rich young man anymore. He's just going to be a young man. And he's got to let it go. And Jesus says, just let it go. Yes, you've done all that. Just let it go. Let it go and, and, and sell it all and give it all to the poor. And then we find out in our lives, when we really take a good look at us, we may find out that there is something that maybe we care more about than God. It's like, Brother Villegas, those are very powerful words. They're very painful words. Yes, they are. But they're very necessary in our lives. See, Jesus Christ says this one, the, these words to Peter. When Peter says, Lord, don't speak to them so harshly. Can't you see, Jesus? They're all leaving. They're walking away. Peter, if you want to, you can go ahead and leave with them. And Peter all of a sudden reacts and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Only you have words of uh, uh, only living words or words of eternal life. Only you, Lord Jesus. Then that's right, Peter. Whatever the Lord says, you got to receive it. You got to acknowledge it. The Lord Jesus Christ never sugarcoated anything. Too many churches out there are sugarcoating things, not talking about the, the judgment of God, not talking about consequences, just about believing yourself and feel good and enjoy your day. And where is the Lord? To some of us, maybe it's a sport. Something we're really good at, we've excelled in, and that maybe we're going to receive a scholarship or we've been recruited for something that is going to take the place of the Lord. And you're going to be in a crisis type of situation. You're going to have to make a decision like this young man found himself thinking, I'm going to go and it's impressive. I've done it all. And he finds himself in a crisis where it's about lose your identity and follow me. Or keep your identity and lose it all. Let it go. And so we may have something else. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that a good job that, that uh, maybe if I've already said a good, maybe a good job that's going to try and pull you away from the things of the Lord. And, and we all have a need. Amen. All of you that have a need to get a paycheck, say amen. It is so. We have a need. To support our families, our loved ones. And the Lord sees this. And I just, I just thank the Lord for his Bible text where he tells us, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you need. I mean, you, sometimes we think, I need a jacket. The Lord's ready to bless us with several jackets. <laughs> Lord, I want that little car, and the Lord wants to give you a better car. <laughs> all he says, I want to give you, I want to bless you. You're holding me back because I'm not number one in your life. And you're choking back the blessings. Because you love this more than me. And the Bible says, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with everything that you are. That's how you got to love the Lord. Praise God. He finds himself in this situation and becomes saddened. He becomes saddened because he knew that he was going to lose it all. But the Lord had told him, If you let all this go, you're going to have a treasure in heaven. Many of us want treasures in heaven. But sometimes we forget while we are here on earth that we've got something better up in heaven. We've got to be careful with our sight. With the things that we, we got to remember that we are just a moment in time. And in the existence of humanity. Our life, even if you live to 120 years old, is only a second It is only a dream. And sometimes we get so caught up in today and in right now that we forget about what's really important. Being with the Lord one day. Being in heaven. And enjoying all those treasures that we have accumulated in heaven. We make a deposit in heaven by the works and loving God here on earth. But sometimes it's like if I can't see it, it's not real. That's why we are people that walk by sight, not by sight, but by faith. It's like, yes, I may be almost broke. Yes, I may be having a heart. Yes, I may be sick. But when I am in the Lord, I am not going to be sick. And I am not going to be poor. And I am not going to be tired. And everything that I've gone through here on earth is very well worth it. Because I will finally be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. You've got to put on the armor of God so that the things of this world won't weigh you down and make you lose that gift that God has given you. Remember the story about that man that had that good vineyard and the Bible says that they go up to him, the king, and he says, Ahab says to him, sell me your vineyard. Naboth, and, and the man says, God, deliver me from giving you the inheritance that my father has left me. In other words, no, it ain't for sale. You are not for sale. Your salvation is not for sale, so don't sell it, don't rent it, don't give it away. Don't become negligent with it. Take care of it every single day. Ask God for strength to help you stay above the desires of the flesh and of this world. The law of sin, like the law of gravity, just wants to bring you on down. And you got to fly like the eagles that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, has made you a night to be. Like the Bible says in Isaiah, but them that wait upon the Lord will lift their hands up like the eagles. Praise God. They just continue on soaring and flying above everything else in order not to be too long we get ready to continue and looking at this he went away he became sad and grieved in pain sadness for he had great possessions and it's not a sin to be rich it's not It is not. But this young man loved his riches more than he loved the Lord. That's where the danger comes in. And once again, we have to examine ourselves. 
Everything that we do. Why are we doing it? For whom are we doing it? If we do it because we want to please Pastor Prado, I, I'm going to show you our pastor. Our pastor has taught us to serve. He serves and he does everything because of the Lord. Just like our sister uh, Prado as well as, and you and I must follow the example of doing everything to love the Lord and to please the Lord. A very, very important Bible text for them that think that they've got it down and that they have everything they need. Those that feel and think all fast tomorrow, all fast every day, all win the favor of the Lord. Those that have a list, a checkoff list, and it looks like everything is fine. The Bible talks about those laborers that are called to do a task. And when they are working about, they have their duties to carry out. They're faithful in everything that they do. Maybe you and I have been given an assignment with the strategy of Jesus. Some of us would do one thing and another and another and another because we love the Lord. And then we come to a time where we say, well, this is everything you've said to do. We've already done it. We're all right. But then the Bible says that these people, Luke 17, verse 8 and on, it says, I will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup. Prepare a meal for me and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and, and afterward you can eat and you can drink. He tells the servants. Does he, doth that he, doth he that drink that servant because he did the things that were commanded, commanded him, I, I throw not, in other words, it says this. In fact, does, does he actually give a thank you to the servant because he did everything that he was told to do? Not necessarily. You and I are always taught to say thank you. Even to our co-workers. Please bring this. And they do what they're told. Because it's their job, their responsibility. And out of courtesy, sometimes we may say thank you. Or most of the time we say thank you. But there are bosses out there that tell you what to do. And when to do it. And don't tell you thank you. Because it's their job. And there are times that a boss, a manager, or somebody of authority will tell you, do this work. Wipe these walls down, for, as an example. Wipe the one, two, three walls down. I want them nice and clean. And you and I may start wiping down the walls, and then we're tired around the sixth hour. <laughs> By law, I got to take a break. <laughs> I want my 10, 15-minute break. We take 18 Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> I've been working for years. I know how it goes. And we're working hard, and then we complain because we don't have the right soaps, and then they get us everything we need, and we're continuing. We're working. It's about the sixth hour. We get to the six and a half hours, and we're finished with all these three walls. 
these men had served the plate, had served the food. Then the Bible says, as I'm going to paraphrase a little bit from, from Spanish to English, this is the same way with you. When you have already done everything that you have been told to do and you say, and you already turn around and you say, hey, we're done with all these three walls. We're done. We're finished. It was an eight-hour job. We did it in six and a half hours. The rest of our coworkers are like, well, we're still doing the parking lot. We're still doing the trimmings. Well, we're done. And we're going to sit down. And then there's some spots on the other walls. No, they didn't tell us to do that wall. They told us to do this, this, and this. And we're missing the essence of why we do it. We ought to clean the walls of the sanctuary because we love the Lord. So if we clean these walls, why not clean the other walls? Because we love the Lord. And it's the same kind of teaching. This young man had done all these things. But he did them without really going above and beyond. So the truth is when pastor tells us we're going to fast for 21 days. Man, I'm waiting for that 20th day. Here comes the 21st day. That's it. I'm done. And the Lord says, now are you really going to start fasting with your heart? Hey, I've been there. I've been there. I don't know if you have when you're praying for a half an hour, one hour. I had it timed. I had a cassette back in the days where it was a cassette. And I was a CD, actually. I got a little bit more modern. And I had a CD player, and I was playing that music, that classical music, old Christian songs. 45 minutes, that was my prayer time. When the 45 minutes was up, I could tell, brother, because I could tell, oh, there's that melody that's towards the last four, three minutes. And I already, oh, man, I'm going to be able to be finished with my prayer. And when I was finished, the last few seconds, I began to pray And I said, now I'm actually praying. The CD ended and I began to pray. Isn't that so sad and unfortunate where we create a routine and it's no longer about talking to God, but about having a music in the background, leaning perhaps with other brothers. We're playing the part or we've lost really what it's all about. And the Lord can see that, that we're missing something. We're missing the essence, the reason, the, 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 the overall goal of prayer and fasting. It's not so that they can see that we fasted with them 21 days, but so that we can humble ourselves and seek the kingdom of God and people can become delivered so that when we're done doing this, Lord, you said you wanted 21 days, but I'm giving you all my life. I'm giving you my everything, Lord. You said you wanted tithes and that I ought to give you tithes and I will give you tithes and I will give you offerings and I'm going to give even extra, God, because you are my everything. You are everything to me, Lord. And when we begin to... To break out of that conformist type of attitude and mindset, that's when we become to under, now you're finally understanding what the purpose is of keeping the law and to, and to be obedient and to be submissive. It's about loving the Lord. It's about loving others. It's about providing and serving others without a limit. And I know he knows that we have a need. Lord, we have served you. We have given up everything. We have nothing. Peter said to the Lord Jesus, and it's true, in a sense they didn't have everything that others did have, but the Lord said, you're going to be blessed thousand times over this. 
1,000 times. I remember Brother Paul Moreno one time gave a testimony. He gave an amount. I remember how much it was, and then he got blessed with $10,000 back. <laughs> I said, man, that's God. That's God. And we think we complain about a French fry, and the Lord's like, man, I got 10 packets I want to give you. I got such a big blessing for you. But we ought to serve them because of love and not because of what we want to achieve. Eternal life is yours. It's yours because he already promised it. It's yours. What we do now, between now and the time we receive that eternal life, that salvation ought to be done because of love towards him. You're not winning salvation. It's given to you. You just got to be ready to receive it. But what is it that you have? You know, the Bible says this one thing. If your eye is a, is a motive, is a reason, is a tool for you to sin, take it out. Pluck it out. If there's one thing we protect at work, it's our eyes. <laughs> we use safety glasses. You ever, you ever had an eye injury? Something goes in your eye and then you're just, and you're, or somebody poked you in the eye. The first thing you're like, is my eye okay? Is my eye okay? Is my eye okay? Some of you are like, no, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. I remember when we were kids, we were playing, get our eye poked. You're good, you're good, you're good. Scary ones where we're in, all of a sudden blood was starting to accumulate inside. Oh, I think you're really, you're in bad shape. You got to walk around with one eye, try and grab things in your eye and perception is off. You ever try to drive with one eye? Don't try it. <laughs> Pastor's been there, he knows. If you've ever gotten something in your eye when you're driving and you close one eye, it's like, you got to step on the brake sooner. Everything looks different. It's so dear to us. Out of your ten fingers, which one shall we cut off? I said that in a subgroup, they're like, none, brother. You got ten of them, can't you let one go? No, brother. I need them all. Your pinky, though, your thumb. Maybe my thumb don't look too pretty. I'm like, no, no. I need my thumb to be able to hold a bottle, an opposing thumb, my other fingers to, to hold on to it. I know it's dear to you. And there are some things that are very dear to us that are of this world and that keep us from giving everything unto the Lord. And the Lord says, I know that it's very dear to you, but you got to let it go. Did you capture that? There are things that are very dear to you that are going to stop you from receiving that eternal life and you got to let them go. You got to let them go. And it, it may be a process, but don't take too long because those things from the world will continue to grow on you. You're not going to be able to let them go. And some people have traded their salvation for you fill in the blank, whatever it is that may be trying to hold you back. And, and sometimes the devil comes around and sees you. Ah, I see that you've been sitting still for a while. And he begins to take measurements on you. He's trying to go build you a suit. So he's want to see what your weaknesses are. And when you don't pray and when you're not moving in the Lord, he's sizing you up. And if you sit there dormant and you're not praying and you're not watching and you're just like negligent with your life, he'll come and put on a suit. Weigh you down heavy burdened he'll stop you he'll want to steal from you i told you 
It ain't for sale. Don't rent it. Don't give it away. If you'll stand with me, I know it's a pretty simple message coming from me. It was better from our pastor. <laughs> we thank God for our pastor. Amen. <laughs> What's dear to you? This young man thought he had it all, but he had a void. I've got it all. You got a good job. You got a family. You got a car. You got two cars. Whatever it is you think you have. But what about God? When it comes down to it, when you really think about how your life is with God, your relationship with Christ, is he really number one? A man got on his knees one day and prayed a very truthful prayer. And he said, Lord, I wish I could tell you, you were number one or you are number one in my life, but you're not. I wish I could tell you, you are my priority, but the truth is that you're not. Other things had snuck into his life and had burdened him and taken away the spot that belonged to the Lord. And you and I, you and I have to surrender it all. Let it go. Give it to the Lord. If you need anything, he's going to provide for you anyways. It's a win-win for you. You won't get condemned and you're still going to be blessed. And sometimes we're, if we would only let it go, we would be able to receive so much more. If you don't believe it, try Try the Lord. I'm going to invite you, to, if you'd like to come up here so we can pray. It's good for us to turn around and say, Lord Jesus, just look at me. It's like David said, search me, O Lord. Look inside me and see if there's any anything, sin, transgression, anything that offends you, God. You know what the thing is about God? When you're honest, he'll show you. So the next part of your prayer should be, Lord, and give me the strength to be able to give it up. To let it go. You say, Lord, show me. He's not, he's not blind. He's not deaf. He's not mute. He's going to speak to you. And he's going to tell you. He's going to show you. Just like Jesus told them. Let all those things go. Because you love those things. Let all those things go. They make you feel important. They make you feel you have an identity. And for us, it's who Jesus is that gives us an identity not us but if it's all about us then we lose our identity in Christ I'm ready to let anything go that the Lord shows me Mijo, you gotta let this go I am because I know that the Lord is righteous and he's just he's fair he's loving Lord tonight we want to thank you Jesus thank you God for everything, Lord, that you have done, Jesus. We may think, Lord, that we're all right and we're not. Maybe, Lord, this wasn't really for everybody, but it was at least for somebody. And see, Lord, even if there's somebody here that is okay and is fine and doesn't have a need, they can share this message with the brothers and sisters and to mentor others, God. 
the importance of having you and letting all these other things go, of our great need of you, Jesus, a void that was never filled by the world, a void that can never be filled by anything or anyone, only you, Jesus. Lord, there's so many people out there right now who keep searching and searching and wandering about, knocking on doors, looking for something in their lives, and you found us, you called us, and you have filled our lives, God. We don't want you to ever leave, God. We want you to sit and dine with us. We want you to break bread with us, Lord. And then you teach us this, I'm always there. It's us, Lord, that need to go to the table. It's us that need to open up that door. It's us that need to hear you knock at the door. Because you're always looking for us, God. You're always willing and ready to bless us and to spend time with us. God, don't ever let anything hinder our relationship with you. And yet you teach us, it's not that you let things hinder us, it's that we let things hinder us. So give us the wisdom, God, to be able to submit to you and the strength to be obedient to you when you teach us those things that are hindering us, that are stopping us, that are holding us back, God, that are holding back your blessings. You've always wanted to bless us, Lord. So we ask in Jesus' name, we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you from the youngest to the eldest, Lord. From the person that is the closest to the altar to those maybe watching us on Facebook, Lord, that are far away from here, but that maybe they're understanding your word. We don't want nothing to take this place from you, God. We want you to be everything, Lord. But I ask to praise him if you'll minister. And we continue to pray. Surrender unto Jesus. Give him everything.
belong in my heart just plug it out Lord 
I want to please you. I want to please you. I just want to please you, Lord. So I surrender to you today. I thank you. I thank you. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Let's just thank you. This week, let us be better than last week. This week, let us strive more than last week.